and you're listening to HR After Hours. Well, ruin my dress and call me Monica Hannah Hampton. <laughs> Happy New Year. And how the heck are you today? I Like right now, I'm just, uh, I'm great. I'm laughing. I didn't know what to expect with an intro this year and you uh, nailed it. So I'm doing great. How are you? I am outstanding. So we have a lot to cover today. So as far as our what we what we call our opening jibber jabber, we'll eliminate (laughs) that or or minimize that. Um, I know Hannah's going to have an outstanding story to share with us in an upcoming episode about how her new year started traumatically, but we're letting her (laughs) emotionally heal before we talk about that because the last thing I need is to end up on an episode of Dr. Phil because this goes viral as she breaks down on the air. So we'll cover that a little later. Bye, everybody. I'm fine. I'm fine. So don't worry. Don't send me letters. Worry. Well, if you want to send me letters. Send her letters. She likes letters. I do. I do. But I am okay. I don't want anybody to worry about me. I'm okay. (laughs) Well, let's jump right in. I mean, we've got two great stories and we've, our, our resolution is to keep our podcast moving and somewhat on point. So let's start. Let's get, we've got a couple things well, here. Well, before we get started, I want to do a shout out to some listeners. Uh, I want to say hello to Anastasia Beaverhausen and David S. Pumpkins. Of course, not their real names. They wanted to stick with being anonymous, but hello. Thank you for listening. And I love you guys. All right. Yeah. And next time let's uh, tell, tell us your real names there, Beaver Pumpkins. And- <laughs> I mean, I feel like, does that mean there's a stigma with listening to us? I don't know, but we'll take it any way we can get it. That's what she said. (laughs) Let's jump right in. First story that it's, Mm. I I think this is worth at least addressing. And I definitely know that you have a take and possibly even a little experience with this. But one of the big stories uh, is effective February 1st. U-Haul International will reject applicants in 21 states Mm -hmm. who use nicotine, and they say this is because they're aiming to maintain a healthful work environment. Hannah Hampton, give me your takes on U-Haul and their no nicotine policy. Well, first of all, I understand why they're doing it, because it looks like that the company itself is, is trying to work on wellness. And certainly people who quit smoking and using nicotine, um, they do it for their health. So I, I, the number one is the why behind it. I totally understand why they're trying to create a wellness program or fostering a, a, a culture of wellness, I guess is a better way to put it. So they're uh, trying to, I think, obviously lower their healthcare costs as well, because there's a lot of healthcare that goes into uh, health issues related to using nicotine products, specifically smoking. It causes a lot of health issues. So I want to say I I understand the why behind it. Now, it'll be interesting because I had worked at a place where they didn't necessarily prohibit nicotine use, but they prohibited where people were allowed to use it. So this was in a retail space where uh, people they didn't want the workers to to smoke in front of the building. It's like, hey, it doesn't look good to see the person who's going to help you with your retail purchase, and also all everything that goes along with with the the view of nicotine usage. So 
our policy changed it over to you have to smoke within your vehicle in the parking lot or go elsewhere. And of course, people got really upset. And I did have somebody who tried to say this was discrimination. But (laughs) my rebuttal to that is smoking is not a protected class. Therefore, it is not discrimination. Because I feel like uh, on the periphery, not on the periphery, but on like the, the surface, people might say, hey, is this a discriminatory practice saying that, hey, I'm not going to hire smokers, but I want to remind everyone smoking is not a protected class. So what are, you, what are what's your take on this? What are your thoughts? So I've got a couple quick things. Uh, mm-hmm. And you actually beat me to the punch on the one because, you know, when you when they first announced it, it's part of their healthful program and, and they didn't really allude to the the cost savings. This is a very fact-driven decision. I mean, according to the Center of Disease Control and Prevention, Mm -hmm. about $170 billion is spent annually on healthcare for adults due to the consequences of smoking. Mm -hmm. So that is a staggering number. $170 billion. Billion with a B. That's right. You know, I feel I feel like Austin Powers. The <laughs> what's the villain's name on Austin Powers? Um, because that seems like such an inflated amount one one hundred and seventy billion dollars. But that's a true number. Smoking and secondhand smoking reportedly cost more than one hundred and fifty six billion a year in wow. lost productivity. I think that's really a key as well because we've talked about should associates and team members have more compensation, additional mm-hmm. vacation days or PTO days, whatever it is, if they're non-smokers and don't take smoke breaks, and that's a different topic. But to see that there's that much lost productivity a mm-hmm. year due to smoking, um, I find pretty amazing. Now here, I did not prepare Hannah for this next question. So mm-hmm. Hannah, I can cut this out if you don't know an answer. <laughs> uh, no, this is, this is the only thing that I, I think this is fine. Mm-hmm. My only concern with it if you're a current employee of U-Haul, you're not impacted by this right. decision at this time. There may be some uh, additions or whatever in the mm-hmm. future. So, but here's my question. So there's going to be actual nicotine testing. Mm-hmm. You mentioned smokers are not a protected class, so it's not discriminatory. Mm-hmm. However, people that consume alcohol and are in recovery for the consumption of alcohol are considered a protected class if I am on the nicotine patch hmm. trying to get off of tobacco, should I be treated the same way? Oh, that, you know, I actually, I don't know the answer to that question. That's, that's a, you bring up a good point. And it, it does make me wonder, uh, would, so the nicotine free policy that does that also include smoking cessation items such as like the patch is you brought it up or nicotine gum. That's a really great question. And and I guess, you know, obviously if they're doing nicotine screening, all of that would come up, but it makes you wonder about, especially like current employees who are trying to quit smoking, are they funding those programs or helping people kick the habit? And would you get in trouble for using the patch and or nicotine gum? That is a really great, great question. And that's something that I want to dig into and maybe we can, uh, we can do a follow-up on a future podcast. Yeah, I would like to do that. Now, for like, but I will say they the current associates are uh, are not impacted by this decision and their jobs aren't at risk. So th- them getting clean, they wouldn't fall into that worrying about if they're on right. the patch. So it would be if I'm a uh, applicant 
Mm -hmm. And I can show you, hey, here's the patches I'm using. I do not right. smoke. Is there some bend on that? It would read mm -hmm. as of now, probably not. But this is this is a, a pretty new thing. And I think it's a bold move on their part that obviously they'll have to make some adjustments. But that's my only right. thing. Is I do believe that as we encourage people to rehabilitate from uh, smoking, that we have to find a way to accommodate those that are using the patch. And I'm not, I'm not a smoker. I, I'm actually, I quit cold turkey uh, a few years back. I never smoked um, domestic mm -hmm. cigarettes. I used to smoke what were called clove cigarettes. And it was actually a, it was a type A tobacco soaked in clove oil. And it was, um, it was the only type of cigarettes I ever smoked. And then when the, one of the former presidents uh, led the initiative to ban flavored tobacco, which mm -hmm. is funny that we're talking about this because the current president just signed a thing about uh, banning the, the flavor vape. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's hilarious that we're talking about this right now. Um, I just quit because mm -hmm. what they did is clove cigarettes. Now people go, oh, no, they're still out there. No, what they do is they now mince up cigar tobacco mm. rolled into a, a cigarette soaked in clove oil. And it's really a clove cigar. Oh, interesting. You don't inhale cigars or very few people do. So anyway, mm -hmm. that's I, my know, only my only eh, on this one, sure. but I think it's a great bold move. I think uh, it's great for the health of the of the employees and the company, and and really trying to to kind of you know push the wellness initiatives because I think a lot of companies really try to have wellness initiatives, but it's it's hard to I think it's hard to get people completely involved in it, and this is just one way that they're trying to help their employees get healthier, and I think that's that is way better. It's one of those you know. Uh, the stitch in, in time saves nine where, Hey, they're getting ahead of health issues by trying to help people not smoke and, and help avoid some of the health issues that happen. So I think that's, I think it's really great that U-Haul is, is thinking about wellness in that way. You know, however, I know anybody who uses nicotine will probably not be too happy about this because I know not from personal experience, but from people around me that it's not always easy to quit smoking or, quit using nicotine products. So that's uh, probably a little bit of a stress, but certainly anything to help people get healthier is a good thing. I agree. And something I did not share with you, actually, uh, Mrs. Danzig quit smoking back in November. Oh, wow. And so I do think it's, it's you know, so A, here's a shout out to Mrs. Danzig. Great job. Quit yelling <laughs> at me, though. She's, she's getting a little mean and angry about it. Just kidding, kind of. No, it, it, this is, seems to be a time that I think finally the momentum of just getting rid of smoking altogether is really there. Now it's kind of funny that it's decrease in tobacco and, and the, the stigma that's now with cigarettes is in play, but now we're legalizing marijuana everywhere. But I think a lot more people are going the edible route on that and vaping. And I, I just think smoking as a whole, people are realizing, you know, ingesting just smoke in general uh, is not healthy. And just think about kinda, though, in a yeah. hundred years, you know, and less than you think about in the fifties and sixties, people could smoke indoors. They could smoke in their offices, you know, and I even think back to 15 years ago or 16 years ago when they, uh, or 15, I guess, when they started banning smoking in restaurants and bars. And I remember it was such an interesting change because I remember being in bars and the, the next morning you wake up and you're like, is my hair on fire? No, it's just all the smoke from the bars. So it's an interesting thing that uh, slowly but surely, surely these cigarette cigarettes are, are, are 
going away and, and being banned in more and more places. So it's uh, it's just fascinating. You think, again, in the 50s and 60s, people could smoke in their offices and people smoked during meetings and smoking in hospitals. Don't and- forget, I mean, smoking on airplanes. Oh, that yeah. That's crazy. You will still see, you'll get on an airplane and you'll see a sealed ashtray lid on your armrest where people used to just sit yeah. in there. And can you, I can't even fathom I remem- that. No, I remember being on an international flight. It was in 1996. And there was a smoking section where, you know, it was banned except for the smoking section. And people would get up and walk to the back of the plane to smoke. And and now thinking about that now, just it's a horrifying. It's like, ew. But it's interesting that in a short period of time, it's just slowly but surely going away. But again, I think that's a good thing. Secondhand smoke is something that I don't want to deal with. Somebody who's got asthma issues. So uh, I'm not against it. (laughs) There you go. So you all very bold step, Mm -hmm. especially in a a tight labor market. Uh, We're going to root for you. Hopefully it, it pays off and you're able to get uh, better productivity out of less associates and healthier associates. Now, I think, Anna, you have, uh, you found a pretty interesting article. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about what you're bringing to the the table today. Sure. So, you know, I I just recently saw this a couple days ago on CNN, and it was an employee at a chicken restaurant was sent home uh, for refusing to take off her hijab. So, uh, you know, it was a restaurant in Texas and, you know, I'm not going to name the restaurant because I'm also not familiar with the restaurant, but this employee shows up to work wearing her hijab. She had stated that this is a new thing because she recently converted to Islam and her manager sent her home for stating that she was violating the dress code requirements. Now, long, you know, just kind of long story short it so that we can get to talking about it. The company came in and said, you know, the manager was in the wrong and they blamed poor training or lack of training on, you know, religious accommodations. So they claimed that they have basically they they said it was wrong that she was sent home. They paid her for the hours that she would have worked for uh, the day that she was sent home and plans to rewrite the dress code and enhance training to make sure this doesn't happen to anybody else, which I think is the right thing to do. Now, however, this employee said that she is not, um, you know, she's not, she's thinking about leaving her job because she felt uncomfortable at work because she said that people were treating her differently or treating her poorly. Um, she said she was being harassed by coworkers who didn't support her decision to wear her religious gear. So, um, you know, it may not end with a happy ending here. However, I do want to talk a little bit about, I feel like that you and I have talked about this quite a bit. And that's the, the fact that, hey, Regardless of franchise or not, you as a company are responsible for training your employees to understand HR practices, especially if you don't have HR on site, so that these types of mistakes don't happen. Um, you know, Mick, what are, what are your thoughts on this uh, kind of initially? What were your initial thoughts on, on the story? My initial uh, thoughts were just basically this was just ignorance, right? That they That, mm-hmm. that I would think that when you are talking about QSR restaurants and yeah. sometimes the shift leader who could be responsible, you could be, it could simply, it could have been a, an hourly team lead, right? Yeah. Who's not properly trained. So what I'm thinking is this is ignorance. I don't think it was 
intended segregation or, or an attack on her for her beliefs. Mm-hmm. But it is up to anyone who decides to go into business mm-hmm. that's going to employ people to be properly trained on the the laws and mm-hmm. especially some of these you don't think of. So whether if the parent company to this franchise group doesn't have a strong uh, training program for new owners or leaders, mm-hmm. then if I was going to go into a business like this, I would make sure that I hired a consultant or someone right. to train my team to avoid this type of thing. I would just basically say, hey, assume I know absolutely nothing, which mm-hmm. most of the people in my life do, and <laughs> you know, train me on all the things I need to avoid as far as people practices. Right. Uh, and I, I think that's what maybe maybe there needs to be an increase of experts uh, in this field. Uh, honestly, I think if you're a corporation that's large enough to franchise, I think you should have this already in place. But if you don't and you're saying, hey, that's all we're about is the recipes or whatever, then you should have at least some uh, people you can refer to them to to train them. Right. Because what if they have no operations or hospitality background at all? That's how you need to avoid this. So all it right. sounds like they rebounded pretty well, though. Am I correct? Yeah. So basically, they had a attorney that represented the franchise. Uh, they made a comment to CNN about what happened. And they said that sending her home was a mistake. And they and I'm going to read this, what exactly the attorney said. It said, the manager's decision to send Miss Coleman home for wearing the headscarf was due to a lack of training. So they admitted that they weren't, they didn't train the person. And they said the manager was using a strict interpretation of the company policy that does not allow deviations from the standard employee uniform. And he unfortunately did not take religious liberty into consideration. So they're saying that this was not, didn't have to do with her religious beliefs, it wasn't discrimination. It was just due to lack of understanding and a strict interpretation of company policy. So again, I think they did the right thing by paying her for the hours that she would have worked and welcoming welcoming her back and uh, training people so that she could wear her uh, headscarf. So I think that the company, you know, again, did the right thing to correct it. However, I'd say if it was in the perfect world, they would have instilled some training and making sure that their managers understand how to handle this before it happened, because now they've got this bad press. And certainly they have an employee who is very unhappy and feels that, you know, feels uncomfortable at work. And that's not something that anybody wants to feel. So I, I, you know, I do feel the correction was correct, but they could have done a lot to prevent it. So here's my question for you. And this is Mm -hmm. completely uh, 100% opinion where I want your thoughts on this. So, of course, she's saying she didn't feel like going back to work. She's not comfortable with it. People react to things differently. And this may be something that's truly upset her Mm -hmm. because she's already had to deal with some either discrimination or since she's recently converted, maybe some family members have given her a hard time, et cetera. And she's just like, I just don't want, I I choose not to be in this environment. Mm Mm-hmm. I think as we work to you know, better educate people, I think we also need to do things to protect these employers from what I would consider, quote unquote, frivolous lawsuits. Because the first thing I read about her, you know, first second I read her not going back to work, I'm thinking, well, yeah, she's setting herself up to sue for discrimination, where this is an obvious or appears to be an obvious case 
of just ignorance. Mm -hmm. So as we really push people to make sure their teams are better educated and informed on these type of things, and if it's even if it is just a shift supervisor, that needs to be part of their training when they get that promotion. Mm -hmm. But I think we also need to push to, I don't know if I want to use the words restrict, but have uniform guidelines on what the compensation could be on a lawsuit where, hey, you, you were upset about one day, we consider this a level D, this is the range that you can be awarded in the civil court of law. Because I do think that, I think it does damage to the cause when people use incidents like this to create class action lawsuits um, that are solely seeking monetary damages versus just, you know, you should be able to sue to force them to have the proper training to avoid this from happening again. But I hope that this doesn't turn around and cost the owner of this franchise $2 million um, because it is such a silly mistake. Well, it, what I would do as a, you know, if this was, if I was doing HR for this company, I, I would do a, a, an investigation and I would ensure, you know, I'd, I'd check to see, is this an isolated incident or does this manager have a history of treating people differently due to religion or whatever it might be? So I certainly, I would kind of see why A, and uh, even though, yes, that the company is course correcting by saying it was lack of training and this and that, I would still do a full investigation to show like, hey, you know, we also not only are we correcting the problem, but we're checking to make sure that this is an isolated incident, that it's not a manager who is treating people people differently. So then I would feel comfortable saying that I've got, you know, I've got all the documentation here to show like, hey, this only happened once. Or if it, if it is a situation where a manager is treating people differently, well, then, you know, I'd handle that the right way as well, you know, just to show that as a company that we're taking it very seriously and that we're ensuring that, that we have a great work environment. So I don't know, I, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I know enough about law and lawsuits to comment on putting limits around things. I just, I, I, I don't feel like I'm educated enough to be able to comment on that, but certainly from the HR perspective, I would do, I would kind of go above and beyond and do my due diligence and doing an investigation, having all of the, having all of the documentation and proof showing that we have done all the right things by course correcting and checking to make sure that this is not something that's always happening and taking additional steps as needed based on what we find in the investigation. So that's what I would do in the situation. And, and sometimes it does feel a little excessive to investigate and to do all of that work. But sometimes, again, I feel like this is the second time, or this is the second time I say that we said it, a stitch in time saves nine, whereas I think it's easier to do an investigation shortly after something happened, just in case there is a lawsuit versus having to go back and do all this extra work because of a lawsuit and it's you know how it is that there's all this time in between when it took place people don't remember what happens a lot of times evidence is gone so i would just go ahead and get that out of the way immediately to have in the event that, that a lawsuit does happen you know i i like that i think you're absolutely right i think it's funny that i automatically assumed it was just a small misunderstanding without knowing if this person had a history of doing things like that. So I, I think you have an extremely valid point. That's why we consult you on these type of matters uh, <laughs> because sometimes I, I always want to assume the best in people. It, the more we dig deep, I might we might find out that this is not the first time this person has done this. Mm -hmm. So you bring up an extremely valid point. And once again, that kind of goes back to what we've said in the past. It 
you know, that's a huge function of the HR manager is not only to protect the brand, uh, you know, and that was my knee jerk reaction. Well, let's make sure we, this guy doesn't lose his shirt over this, but it's not just about protecting the brand. It is ensuring that people aren't improperly treated and that we do create a culture of inclusivity because that is absolutely what you've got to do in this day and age. And I've learned a lot from that. Uh, regarding that from you in the last year working with you, Hannah. And yeah. uh, once again, first podcast of the year, she has to knock me around a little bit in her <laughs> her very professional manner and remind me that, hey, there, there's, there's always more here until you dig up all the facts, interview the right people, and get all the information. That's how you find out the true story. So we've only scratched the surface surface on this one. And this is, this is another story we'll put on our radar and uh, revisit if we find out information either way. Certainly. Well, there you go, Hannah. I think that's a great way to start the new year. I'm really excited about some of the things that we're planning for 2020. Uh, 2020. I, I sometimes can't even believe it's 2020. I feel like, you know, 1998 was just a couple years ago, but it's uh, time just goes by so quickly. So 2020, let's make it a great year. Well, oh my goodness, look at the time. Hannah Hampton, it looks like we've done it again. But before we close, why don't you tell our listeners how they can contact us? Yes, so we'd love to hear from you. Give us some feedback or share an article you want to hear us discuss. You can email us at hrafterhoursmail at gmail.com. Mick, where can they find us on social media? We are all over the place, kind of like our conversation. <laughs> we are up and running on Facebook, and our address there is at HR After Hours. And, of course, we're on Instagram, all one word, HR After Hours. And then Twitter is at HR underscore hours. So definitely check out our social media presence. We're always looking for new followers. I know that sounds thirsty, but it's very true. (laughs) And then, like Hannah said, shoot us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you like, what you'd like to see us do differently. Definitely any topics or questions you have for us. Because we're tired of just hearing how friggin' hot and sexy we are. Give us something (laughs) with a little meat on it. That's what she said. All right. Hannah, take us out of here. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Bye.